In every job that must be done, there is an element of fun. Fun, 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 fun. Light speed to the wondrous and wonderful. Cover is not the book, so open it up and take a look. Ah, if it isn't the only bookworm in town. What's that word again? Inspired. I have to sing. I have to play. The music, it's, it's not just in me. It is me. We're happier when you don't sing. Welcome to Notably Disney your ultimate podcast covering Disney music and books. I'm Brett Knackman, your host. Here we dig a little deeper and explore the great wide somewhere about everything under the Walt Disney Company umbrella as it pertains to tunes and writing, from the theme parks and television screens to the Broadway stage and the silver screen, if it relates to anything Disney songs, soundtracks, books, articles, or other things that you can listen to, or read about involving Disney, we'll examine it here. It's the holiday season, and what does that mean? Well, probably many more books to occupy your bookcases, because fall is often the time when we see a deluge of book releases from Disney editions and other publishing companies that release a bunch of great new titles. And for me, it's always one of my favorite times of the year because it means I get to consume a lot more books that just really fill my heart with joy. And we have a bunch of them this year that I think will want to make your holiday list. So I want to allocate just a little bit of time on this episode of Notably Disney to cover two of those releases. The first is from Disney Editions, and it is the book companion to the Imagineering Story documentary that you may recall launched with the Disney Plus streaming platform uh, just about three years ago. And at the time, I was thinking to myself, not only is this one of the best documentaries that I've ever watched related to a component of the Walt Disney Company with six hours worth of content, but probably like many of you too, I was wanting more uh, because there's uh, this need for just gathering new information as ardent Disney fans. And that documentary provided a lot of new footage, new perspective that many of us, even as uh, acquainted as we are with the Walt Disney Company, were perhaps not privy to. And thankfully, Leslie Iwerks and her colleagues must have been thinking the same thing because they had filmed, uh, excuse me, they had uh, cataloged, you know, thousands of hours of footage. They, they were, you know, they, they conducted all these interviews. They were reviewing all of this old media and they gathered a lot of new perspective in that process and consequently only so much could fit into six hours. You may recall that originally the Imagineering story was envisioned as a you know roughly 90 minute documentary film that would you know presumably 
debut in theaters or home release something, but with the advent of Disney Plus, it made sense for them to expand on that and and have the opportunity to tell more of the story. Well, again, six hours covers a lot, but how about 700 or so pages worth of content? Because that's what you're getting here with this huge tome. Um, it's you know it can fit in your hands, but it is heavy. It is thick. And the, the cover art is just like what you find from the documentary where you see the part of the image of the castle and above in the clouds, uh, above the sky rather, in the sky are some clouds in the form of the Mickey symbol, of course. And this is the Imagineering story, the official biography of Walt Disney Imagineering. Now, it's not just a bunch of talking heads where you know, you're getting little snippets here and there that are informative. It's really an in-depth chronological story of the evolution of Walt Disney Imagineering. And 700 pages may seem intimidating, and as I hold it right now in my hands, it may be a bit daunting to pick up because you can quickly recognize there's a lot of content packed in here. But let me tell you, it is an absolute joy to read through. Uh, there are so many chapters, each on generally a different a uh, park or concept or entity, um, but also related to specific periods of Imagineering's development. Uh, so there's, you know, Charting the Waters, which focuses on, uh, or excuse me, Uncharted Waters, which focuses on the development of Disney Cruise Line, which has been cataloged in some spaces, but I feel like it gets a good deal of room here to, to breathe, to flow, so to speak. and you recognize how this was a completely new space for the company to dive into, no pun intended, as Disney Cruise Line was a, a vast departure from the traditional theme park model that they were used to. And we do get some perspective into you know, different concepts they were playing around with, some of which have been documented and you know, books like the the original uh, companion book to the Disney Magic um, that debuted back in 98, and there have been others, the Disney Dream one uh, from Jeff Curdy. But what's really nice about this uh, is that, you know, you have a really nice, concise perspective into its formation. And, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. Um, I, I tell you, I really, this is unscripted right now. I'm not even reading off of a, a script, but I, I guess the puns just come naturally. There is so much packed in here and it's, there's no shortage of interesting information to consume. There are 32 chapters that I'm counting here. Uh, you know, some are maybe 10 pages, others are upwards of 30, but you know, you can really just pick a chapter as you'd like, depending on what your interest is related to Imagineering, and just immerse yourself in new perspective interviews that have been conducted with uh, Imagineers that are still living. There's also some archival information that is pulled to uh, gather the insights from folks who have since passed. And what I love here is that the narrative is so easy and smooth to follow, and yet it also is extremely rich in terms of storytelling, as you would imagine, because Leslie Iwerks is masterful in this regard. I 
I really didn't want to put this down. And needless to say, this is not a book that you can read in one sitting unless you are going to just tell yourself from the moment you wake up that you're just going to read this cover to cover in the course of one day. And I would uh, contend that would be a very, very long day because uh, there is so much here. Now, volume doesn't necessarily translate to quality, right? I could be holding 700 pages and it could be rehashed information or you know, stuff that I've, I've consumed in other spaces. Even though I have watched the Imagineering Story documentary on multiple occasions, this book is very much an expansion. Yes, there's some material that is, uh, I, I don't want to say duplicative, but rather where you know you will recognize, oh yeah, I remember hearing about that in the documentary format, but there's there's more room to grow here in terms of those interviews, in terms of stories that you didn't quite hear. And even as I was very surprised to come across many concepts and experiences that Disney had experimented with that I was not familiar with. And mind you, I don't claim to, to know all things Disney by all means. I, I By no means do I have that capacity, but there were some concepts um, that they played around with in the mid-1990s, um, a time that I was still very young, but very much uh, getting acquainted with all the different facets of Disney. And for me, the 1990s is one of the most uh, creative and innovative times for Disney um, between concepts that didn't launch or, or those that they played around with like Disney Quest that just didn't take off. I learned about Disney Fair, which was a, a mechanism for Disney to have almost like a, a continued presence at a bunch of events like fairs and um, it, they put, you know tried it in a few places and it just didn't work out. I had never heard about that, and that was just really intriguing me, intriguing for me to come across in my reading of this fantastic title. I can't use enough uh, positive language to describe how wonderful it is to consume a piece of text like this that is not only comprehensive but also riveting. I. I know my recent Disney history, and it's covered in a lot of depth here, um, the, particularly the past, the last couple hundred pages of the book focus on Shanghai and Pandora, the world of Avatar, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, among other recent experiences and entities as part of Disney. And yet, I know a lot, but I, I was constantly enthralled because of her presentation of these stories, the uh, the candor that the interviewees provided, um, there's there's no holding back in terms of saying yeah, certain things just didn't work. Much like how I appreciated the honesty from the documentary, where the Imagineers said yeah, we did not have as much money to play with with California Adventure. We were just trying to see what would stick, and. We, we, you know, we made the best out of our financial situation, and ultimately there was some tumult with Imagineering during that late 90s era as well. And you know, that was captured in the documentary. It, it is elaborated on here. And I just appreciated gathering that perspective. I, I love when Disney kind of looks 
within itself and realizes, yeah, you know, we pr provide a lot of great experiences, but not everything lands. And that was a prime example of that, particularly in contrast with Tokyo Disney Sea, which had so much more uh, experimentation because of the funding they were afforded because of their partnership with the Oriental Land Company. Um, and Imagineering really felt like that, you know, you were either in, in that camp where you, you know, you had a lot of opportunity for um, trying new concepts or California Adventure, Cal, excuse me, California Adventure, there was some experimentation to be sure, but the funds did not afford that. It also didn't help that there were some uh, limitations based on space, based on actual events happening, right? So the, the ill-regarded Superstar Limo attraction, one of the shortest lived Disney attractions in recent memory, which I had the pleasure and misfortune of riding uh, multiple times during that very limited period. It was supposed to be a very elaborate uh, car chase where you're kind of fleeing from the paparazzi, but in light of Princess Diana's death, as we know, uh, they had to scrap that story. And instead, you know, it was, you know, taking this tour of Hollywood and seeing uh, really creepy versions of uh, Tim Allen and Jackie Chan and other celebrities who were popular of the era. Disney was stifled. They didn't have the money. They didn't have the the opportunity to really showcase their uh, their full potential. And that's where the introduction of Bob Iger and John Lasseter in Imagineering, uh, among others, really changed the landscape for that park, that sister park to Disneyland, which wasn't going to be, you know, viewed as a, a full day park. And, and thankfully, it has really now contributed to being a full destination. So some of this, yes, is familiar to us hardcore Disney fans. We recognize the complexities behind some of these parks that perhaps the average guest takes for granted. A book like this, though, really uh, takes us backstage uh, into the utilidors, into the farthest regions, and there's a constant sense of awe and discovery that comes through recognizing the, the sheer complexity associated with a division of Disney that was in a you know, troubled spot at various points, whether it be layoffs or you know, the fear right before Eisner and Wells came in of a you know, corporate takeover. Imagineering has uh, really uh, sh shown that it is resilient, that it has to adapt based on the marketplace environment and financial situation. And it is the people who make a difference. And the human element of this comes through. You can see how the passing of Frank Wells was just absolutely devastating for Disney Imagineering because he was such a proponent of what it represented and how it propelled the company. We also clearly see how Bob Iger uh, really valued what Imagineering could do in terms of translating intellectual uh, property into really massive sensations, hence the acquisitions of Pixar and Marvel and Lucasfilm, etc. I love this book. I can't say enough about this book. I 
find myself constantly wanting to be in a state of surprise as I'm reading new Disney titles. That's why something as niche as Didier Getz's book on the origins of Walt Disney's True Life Adventure series was really marvelous because it unveiled a part of Disney that just simply hasn't had its fair share of attention. That's the mark of a great historian, a great researcher, great authors that they can relay stories that are either overlooked or perhaps they're familiar but presented now in a newer innovative manner. And I think that's what Leslie Iwerks is able to masterfully craft here is a book that covers stuff that we know, some at a surface level, some uh, at, in more depth, but yet piece it together in such a fascinating manner, one that even though it follows a very linear format chronologically, we can still you know, plunge ourselves into wherever, right? I There were chapters that I did not read in order because I was drawn to the specific topic and because of both my understanding of Disney history and the narrative that she was building, it was not disruptive for me to take that approach. I find this to be a really essential book for any Disney Parks fan and even general Disney fans, I think, would find this to be quite compelling. It is lengthy, as I said, and that is not a negative. In fact, I think it bolsters it because I think anybody reading this still probably wants more. And while I don't see a, a sequel book per se uh, in the works, uh, just because this is so enveloping and, and covers everything to date, you still want more because you see how fulfilling this is. Said it's 700 pages. That's all text. There are a few photos uh, in the beginning, but otherwise, yeah, this is this is full on text. So if you want to get your fair share of photos and uh, just visual elements that tell the story or tell other aspects of Walt Disney Imagineering, I would certainly recommend um, some other titles including the you know the the late 90s book on Walt Disney Imagineering that was later uh, redeveloped um, or reprinted in 2010 uh, that's simply called Walt Disney Imagineering and uh, it's developed by the Imagineers it's from Disney Editions it's fantastic release um, that that obviously is a, a very different type of book uh, because it doesn't paint a narrative so much as it really just focuses on all the different aspects of Imagineering that are essential and I love the visuals and those are some of my favorite titles as well. So all that to say uh, this book retails for about $35 in the US. You might find it cheaper via certain uh, booksellers and retailers. Uh, it is totally worth it. It will occupy a ton of hours of your time. This took me several weeks to go through, and I, I look back to I, I look forward, I should say, to diving into it further because this is a book that I can see myself reading uh, on multiple occasions, even if not in a traditional front to back format. So, all that to say, yes, 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 purchase the Imagineering Story by Leslie Iwerks. I, I. 
uh, want to acknowledge that uh, I did receive a review copy, but by no means did that influence my interpretation. I would have been purchasing this anyways. I feel very appreciative uh, for having received a review copy. Uh, but at the end of the day, this is a, an essential title, one that really only heightens one's appreciation for not just Walt Disney Imagineering and the products and experiences they've created for us over the past seven decades, but also Leslie Iwerks for being the person to catalog all of this with her colleagues so that we have a really fulfilling book on our bookcase. The next book that I would like to focus on that recently debuted is also from Disney Editions, and it is poster art of the Disney Parks second edition. This is by Danny Hanke and Vanessa Hunt. And you may remember the original release was from a decade ago. I couldn't believe it that 10 years had passed since that book was released because it feels like uh, it wasn't that long ago, but in fact, a lot of time has passed. And what that means is more opportunity to showcase even more posters that have premiered across the Disney theme parks over the decade. And this was one of my favorite books. I, I feel like I always say, this is my favorite book. I have a lot of favorite books for different reasons. And this is, for all intents and purposes, a true coffee table book because of its size and volume. And it's just so gorgeous to look at. You have a, basically a bunch of different images of posters encompassing the castle silhouette. Uh, so you get a taste of a variety of different posters. When I was a child, I was absolutely enamored with the posters that I would see as I walked under the train station at Disneyland, because much as Walt intended them to be, they give you a preview of what is to come ahead, and it revs up that excitement. For me, I was just always caught up uh, in just the, the beautiful artwork and the use of certain details in posters that would really capture the mood, whether it be the font or the uh, the shading, whatever the case may be. I, I love the Disneyland posters. And, it, you know, in fact, that translated to me, you know, wanting to have them in my own home. I remember very, very vividly uh, as a child when uh, Disneyland would have those little kiosks where you could download uh, the art on demand and, and have a, a piece of artwork from the parks printed for you. And I had one of Splash Mountain uh, developed and I still have it. And that ultimately translated to me, you know, wanting to have more Disney artwork around the house. Those, those posters of the attractions were pivotal for me in terms of having a, a memory, having a connection to the attractions that I that I loved so much. And hence, when the original version of this book, the first edition was released a decade ago, it felt like a, another mechanism to have that memory with me. And what was just incredible about that book was it's showcasing the diversity of posters in the Disney theme parks, primarily focused on the Disneyland Magic Kingdom style parks, but also it attended to California Adventure uh, and, and Tokyo Disney Sea, but 
in addition to showing posters all across the parks as they're intended, not just current attractions, but also extinct attractions, and even concept art of a number of different posters. So you would see the development and how they would evolve. Certainly with each poster artwork comes the appropriate credit of the artist or artists who worked on them, plus the year in which they were developed. This is, for all intents and purposes, an art book, so there's very little narrative, but what I love about the second edition is it is expanded on multiple fronts. For one, it is about 100 pages longer, so what that means is more space to highlight posters from new parks like Shanghai Disneyland, which debuted six years ago, uh, but also a whole chapter on Epcot, which really didn't get uh, attention in the first edition, but in this most recent one, in light of those beautiful sets of posters uh, that debuted uh, around the 2019 D23 Expo, we now have posters associated with all the major attractions and pavilions uh, associated with the experimental prototype community of tomorrow, theme park, Epcot, uh, over these past 40 years. And, and those were just fantastic to look at in person, and I'm so glad to have them uh, in the captured in this book. There's more text as well. There's further opportunity to have perspective into uh, even the development of these posters. I'm actually opening it up right now so I can point you to the right page. Uh, early on in the book, there's uh, more of an expanded introduction that kind of illustrates the power of these posters um, but also on pages 18 and 19, there's a really great photograph of Imagineer Ruben Rodriguez, uh, who is working in the screen print shop, and you see the process of actually painting the poster, developing them. It's beautiful, and I love how it kind of walks you through um, what, what this gentleman did uh, many decades ago in just that, that process of uh, making these visuals of reality. This is uh, just a book that you can pick up at any point and just look at a few uh, intensively like me, uh, or even just for a few seconds and just marvel at the artistry at play. Uh, everything from posters that honor an entire land, such as New Tomorrowland in 2000, excuse me, New Tomorrowland in uh, 1994, 1995 roughly in Walt Disney World. That was, again, when Disney was kind of reinventing what it looked like in terms of uh, almost honoring elements of the Disneyland Paris version of Discoveryland. Um, but they're, they're just beautiful, um, uh, just uh, kind of uh, grungy, uh, industrial, almost steampunk-like elements um, kind of mixed in with the, the old version of Tomorrowland. So it no longer had that white palette, but rather a lot of metallic and... Um, and just kind of a greater range. I, I really love that poster, and I love that it gets a whole page. You know, with any art book, you might be wondering, well, why does this get more attention than others, right? There are some posters that encompass a whole page, like the one I just mentioned. Others are relatively small and, and have to share space with some others, but what I like about this new edition even more is that it is expanded. So, there were some posters in the first edition that were relatively small, but in this version get a lot more space. 
this is not just duplicative. Yes, there are chapters where uh, there, it is essentially the same or some posters are rearranged, but we have a bit new, uh, new text. It's the new chapters that make it even more fulfilling for those who have the first edition. And I will contend that even if you have the first edition, you will want this version primarily because of not only posters of newer attractions that have premiered over the past decade, so like the Happy Ride with Baymax at Tokyo Disneyland, uh, others as well uh, stateside too, but also, like I said, there are Shanghai, Disneyland, and Epcot chapters, and the Epcot chapter, unsurprisingly, given that Epcot is my favorite of the Disney parks, at least domestically, since I've only been to the domestic theme parks, uh, that, that gets a lot of love, a lot of attention. And we just get to see them a lot closer um, than we did when they were on kind of adorned on the walls of the Disney Imagineering exhibit uh, from the expo three years ago. And I know there, Disney was selling these at one point on DisneyStore.com, uh, or Shop Disney, I should say, and there are other folks who have replicated them. Um, yeah, these are posters that I would just have all over my house if I could because they're just so gorgeous and they lovely, lovingly attend to the appropriate color palette and artistry and style of the attractions uh, and also giving them a unique flavor. So, you know, the Land Pavilion poster, which is just lovely. It, you know, the colors are a bit, uh, there, you know, there's some pastel colors. Uh, there's an honoring of the balloons that represent the seasons that hang in the center of the pavilion, which I love. Um, so those are represented. There's the, the mural that, that kind of welcomes you into the space. There's a river through the middle of the poster that illustrates living with the land and the different scenic locales that you encounter along the way. And of course, there are posters on the uh, opposite side that represent Kitchen Cabaret and its uh, successor twice after, not the, not the uh, Food Rocks, but rather uh, Soarin' Around the World, uh, which has its own poster. I just love looking at this. What can I say? Um, I am an art lover. I may not have those capabilities, but I love consuming it. And I, and I appreciate, particularly from the standpoint of someone who's not as adept in interpreting artwork, that at the very least there is some narrative that is accompanied uh, to you know demonstrate the development of these posters or what they represent. So poster art of the Disney Parks second edition, there's more than 85 new posters as they want a very explicitly note on the cover. It's truly worth it. Uh, retail price here is $50. You might find it uh, a bit cheaper uh, depending on where you're getting your books. Uh, you know, for clearly for someone who loves Disney art books, totally worth it. Uh, if you are, if you don't, don't completely put yourself in that camp, uh, it really is going to be contingent on to what extent do you love the parks? Do you want something that's going to look really nice on your coffee table or bookcase? Those are some questions you might have to ask yourself, but I would say for, for an art book and a Disney art book, this is definitely right up there. And I look forward to picking it up whenever just to kind of have a, a feast of visuals for my eyes. So another great recommendation. 
So that's uh, uh, just a bit of a, an abbreviated episode of Notably Disney to highlight two recent books from Disney Editions. Again, these were review copies, uh, which did not influence my opinion. Uh, I would tell you, uh, honestly, if I was not totally enamored, and uh, these two are definitely solid additions to my very expansive Disney book collection. And again, it's the holiday season, so for your fellow uh, Disney friend or family member or significant other, whoever the case may be, uh, these would be really good finds. Just uh, be aware of what each offers with the Imagineering story. Get ready for 10 plus hours of reading and, and not any visuals, but rather visualizing what all these attractions and experiences represent. And then if you have that desire to, to look at uh, such imagery, I would turn you over to the documentary. For poster art of the Disney Park, second edition, this is just a staple for those who love art and, and those who want to feel transported to the parks. So well done, Disney Editions. Really thrilled with having these as part of my Disney book collection, and I encourage you to check them out. Thanks again for joining me on another episode of Notably Disney. I invite you to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. Follow me on Twitter at Reports. That's B-N-A-C-H-M-A-N Reports. And be among the first to find out about the release of new episodes. I also encourage you to send me an email to NotablyDisney at gmail.com regarding your thoughts of the show, as well as suggestions for content. So until we turn the page on another chapter, I'm Brett, and thanks for listening to Notably Disney. Notably Disney is not affiliated with the Walt Disney Company or any of its subsidiaries. Consequently, the perspectives and opinions expressed by the host and guests are strictly theirs and do not represent the views of the Walt Disney Company and its employees. The main purpose of the Notably Disney podcast is to offer information and critiques about the Walt Disney Company.